even on the best of days, stress can prevent us from being fully focused and doing our best work. And too much of it can lead to burnout, disengagement, more sick days, and strained relationships in the workplace. Headspace for Work is the enterprise-ready mindfulness program that leads to healthier organizations from the inside out. The proof is in the science. After a month of using Headspace, you and your teams can reduce stress by 32% and enjoy 14% greater focus. With Headspace for Work, you can build a custom program that fits your organization's needs and measures the impact you're making. Learn more about Headspace for Work today at headspace.com forward slash work. Hey, everybody. I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome to Punk Rock HR. My guest today is Derek Irvine. He's Senior Vice President of Work Human and the author of a new book called Making Work Human, How Human-Centered Companies Are Changing the Future of Work and the World. Derek and his co-author, Eric Mosley, the CEO of WorkHuman, believe that by building a sense of belonging, purpose, meaning, happiness, and energy in every employee, you'll create a profound connection between your organization and its goals. And so they wrote Making Work Human to provide you, the human resources professional, the executive, the leader, with everything you need to get there. I've known Derek Irvine for a long time, and he was talking about making work more human since before it was trendy. So if you're interested in learning from the pioneer of the work human movement, sit back and enjoy my conversation with Derek Irvine. Hey, Derek, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Laurie. Delighted to be here. Well, I'm super stoked to have you. We've been friends and colleagues for a long time. But for those who don't know who you are, why don't you give us your backstory, your origin story? Who are you and what are you all about? Yeah, well, I'm Derek Irvine. I'm Senior Vice President of WorkHuman. I've been at WorkHuman and previously called Global Force about 20 years now, believe it or not, at this stage. So I've been in the HR space a long, long time, helping companies to really be more civil and more human to each other. That's the focus of our company, uh, creating human-centered workplaces. Before that, I worked in brand marketing for many years with Johnson & Johnson. If you know the Reach toothbrush, the flip back head, I looked after that brand. Uh, <laughs> Also looked after Jemison Irish whiskey, which was wonderful, traveling the world, telling people about that wonderful whiskey. And with that too, a number of years in performance improvement consulting. In many ways, where I am now, I, I kind of think a lot of it is about branding messages, you know, the messages that we have within our company or marketplace, and it's all about performance improvement. So that's kind of been my space for well over 20 years, 30 years I've been in the workplace. Well, Derek, you know, so many ways we can go with this. But one of the things I think about when I think of you is someone who is really passionate about helping people operate at the intersection of passion and skills. So that can take a lot of form. That can take the form of recognition, better performance improvement conversations, just better overall employee experiences. So what are you passionate about right now? Yeah, you know, I would say that for far, far too long, for decades, for centuries, we've been running our companies in a way that is kind of against the grain of humanity. We've been running our companies in a way that was baked and born in the Industrial Revolution, where really everything was just focused upon you came to work, you bought your muscle, you bought your hands. 
<laughs> and then we fast forwarded to an era where the brain was important. We had a technological revolution. And now we needed brains with, with skills. But what was always missing, and it seemed like the workplace was always asking you to leave it at home, was your heart, your emotions. They didn't want your whole self coming to the workplace. And that's fundamentally wrong. And I think we finally, finally are really discovering that and really embracing that we've got to change the way that we work in the workplace. So I'm very passionate about allowing people to bring their full human selves to the workplace. When we do that, everybody wins. The people who come to work because they're feeling more fulfilled, they're feeling more engaged, they're feeling more passionate. And when that happens, you get the best of creativity, the best of innovation, you get great customer service. It's a win-win for everybody. So it's the right way to do it. I certainly agree with you. And I think those who listen to this podcast believe there's a new way to do work in the 21st century that's long overdue. And you're an author of a new book. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the book and why you wrote it? Sure. So our new book is called Making Work Human. I wrote it with Eric Mosley, who's a CEO of Work Human and a friend and colleague for over 20 years too. And it's a story really of our clients and everything that some of the world's most admired companies that we've had the pleasure of working with over the years have been successfully doing in bringing more humanity into the workplace. Companies like LinkedIn, companies like Cisco, you know, we've got, it's packed full of case studies about how those companies have been on a journey with us to do various things. And I would say in the book, what you'll particularly discover is three really powerful words that we focus upon with our clients. And those really powerful words, I'm sure we'll dig into them a little bit more, are thanking each other a lot, talking to each other very authentically, frequently, and celebrating together. Those three words are 20 years of experience doing this. We've discovered that if you focus on those three, you do really successfully at bringing more humanity into your workplace. Well, why don't you give an example of one of those three words in action with one of your clients? What's a favorite story that you like to tell from the book? Yeah, so there's a there's a beautiful story in there. One of our clients, Bay State Health, and they have an employee recognition program that we launched, I think it's about three years ago now, called Celebrates. And in it, Baystead Health is a medical care facility, one of the largest up in the Northeast of the United States. And the story goes like this, that one of their senior medical staff, one of the earliest recognitions was to the gardener. So the person is looking after the lawn, trimming the flowers, and the recognition goes, hey, I want to let you know that your work is super important to Baystead Health. Time and time again, patients tell me that when they drive in and they see how well the lawn is cut, how beautiful the flowers are, that it just says Bay State Health is a place that cares. It cares about the small details. It cares about a welcoming impression. And that, so the surgeon is explaining to the gardener, is why your work is so meaningful here. And I want to congratulate you and thank you for doing that on a consistent basis. So that's an example of, you know, it's such a simple thing thanking somebody for the job that they're paid to do. But what you've done in that thanking moment is you've created deep personal meaning for the gardener. You've created a unique human connection between the surgeon and the gardener that I think otherwise might not have existed. You know, they may just have waved at each other occasionally in the car park, but now they have a genuine human connection. And here I am telling this story about Bay State Health, which of course helps to bring positive light on that organization. But what's really encouraging too is a number of months after we launched the Celebrates program, we started to see, they started to see an uptick in patient satisfaction scores because more and more people within Bay State Health were receiving thanks and congratulations, just like the story that I told you. I love that carryover effect. 
I truly believe in it. And one of the things that I think is so very interesting is that we need more of this in the age of COVID. So I love that you started with a story of essential workers, because what I think we're finding out now is that essential workers make the world go round. And this idea of thanking them, talking to them, celebrating them is more important than ever. What do you think about that? I agree entirely. You know, I mean, unfortunately, research upon research shows that employees, the majority receive no or one recognition moment in a year. So over 50% of employees are out there. It's like a recognition desert. Yet, you know, you don't have to be an essential worker, but any type of worker. And we all know that we need the occasional pat on the back, the I saw what you do. Even if what you're doing is just consistently the same day in, day out, that in itself is worth celebrating because that's really important that you do do it consistently day (laughs) in, day out. You don't constantly have to be a rock star to receive thanks and recognition. So we can do way, way better than zero or one time a year being recognized. In fact, research that we quote in the book shows, you know, what is the ideal number? People often say, so what's the ideal number of thanks throughout the year? And the data will show that anywhere between about six to eight recognition moments throughout the year, that's when the magic starts to kick in. Derek, I wonder if we're at a moment of our timeline where technology enables recognition, thanks, celebration, or if it could be an obstacle. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I often get asked that to more technology to bring more humanity. Does that seem odd? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. A paradox, yes. A paradox, yeah. But by all means, we we have plenty of technology already in the HR world, you know, to manage projects, manage our days. But if you look at the list of what really focuses upon, you know, bringing humanity into the workplace, the list is pretty short. But what our technology does is that it scales what I think otherwise would be something that would go on people's wish list to do, but be quickly forgotten. Everybody agrees, yes, I need to thank people more. Yes, I should talk authentically and give encouragement. Everybody agrees with that. But the problem is that the day carries on and the to-do list gets very full very quickly. So the technology really is about making sure that you get nudged, you get a reminder, but also there's an opportunity for amplification because you have social feed where any of these thanks that I've mentioned, the story I told, that became visible within Bay State Health. Colleagues saw it, colleagues could add their congratulations and they could say, hey, you know what? Absolutely, you're right. The gardens are incredible. And suddenly you have hundreds of colleagues who are adding their congratulations. Technology allows that. And very final point that is so powerful that technology allows is looking at the data afterwards, being able to examine the networks, the connections, the soft skills that are being exhibited as people are engaging in thanking, talking, and celebrating. Hmm. We've almost made it through 2020, but it's never been more critical for businesses and HR leaders to address the mental well-being of their teams head on. Headspace for Work is the scientifically proven, enterprise-ready mindfulness program that leads to healthier organizations from the inside out. Help your team stress less, avoid burnout, and focus better throughout the day after using the custom program you develop with Headspace to fit your organization's needs. Learn about Headspace for Work today at headspace.com forward slash work. Hey, everybody. Chances are you've spent the past few months cooped up with your family, buried under a relentless news cycle, and with work that never seems to switch off. Millions of us worldwide are overworked, exhausted, and trying our hardest, yet not getting the recognition we deserve. It's time for a fix. That's why I wrote my new book, Betting on You, How to Put Yourself First and Finally Take Control of Your Career. It's an essential guide for how to snap out of autopilot and become your own best advocate 
with candid and new stories and easy-to-adopt steps. I wrote this book for you. I believe in you, and I would be honored if you would pre-order it today. Head on over to laurierudeman.com forward slash books. That's laurierudeman.com forward slash books and pre-order your copy today. You know, Derek, as you were just sharing your insights, one of the things that I think sets you apart as a leader and your organization apart from all the others is the power of storytelling. Work Human, Global Force, and you in particular were early to this trend. You've always been telling stories, not just about your clients, but of your colleagues and of the people you work with, your vendors, your suppliers. What is it about storytelling that's so important, especially at this moment? Yeah, you know, and the, the, the Irish are perhaps renowned for their stories. <laughs> <laughs> right. So from your DNA, you're just set apart. Yeah. I think, you know, storytelling is something that's fundamental to humanity. It's it's how we have carried ourselves through the generations. And storytelling offers encouragement. Storytelling offers light at the end of the tunnel. And I think without those stories, the world can become very mechanical, very bureaucratic. And I think that has been the problem. You know, for many years, we talked about human capital as a resource. That's totally the wrong way to look at it as a bureaucratic. And then even we fast forwarded where we started to talk about employee experience was important. But now employee experience was good food, table tennis tables, comfortable furniture. Whereas I want everybody to fast forward to human experience. We are humans. We don't need a guidebook on how to be humans. So let's do what we do best (laughs) as humans at home in our workplace, everywhere that we're present, let's allow the best of humanity to shine through. You know, it's interesting. We don't need a guidebook on how to be human. And yet we do need to learn. We do need to hear from other people. What's the best that you're seeing? What's the best that you're doing? And that's why I like the idea that you've been writing consistently throughout your career at Global Force and Work Human. This is not your first book. And I just wonder, what is it about the power of writing? Like, what does writing a book do for your business? Well, it's back to that storytelling point. You know, we're kind of swimming against a tide, a tide which was the tide of bureaucracy, administrative systems. And I think what we talk about in Work Human can sometimes be dismissed as, oh, well, that's very nice to have, but it's a bit soft. It's a bit fluffy. So I would say what writing the book has given us is an opportunity to collect together all of the case studies of significant admired companies who are genuinely succeeding with these strategies. It's given us an opportunity to collect together, you know, a clear roadmap that people can follow who want to embrace this. And lastly, to display the evidence that we've managed to collect over all of the years. A really important thing that we invested in a number of years ago was what we call the Work Human IQ group, which is a group of organizational psychologists and data scientists within our company that seeks to prove all of the goodness that we're talking about, that it's good and here's the numbers, here's the data that proves it. So the book allows us to collect all three of those things together. Well, let's talk about another story from the book, something that sticks out, you know, top of mind that really demonstrates that there's some ROI behind thanking, talking, celebrating. What comes to mind, Derek? Yeah. So one of the clients that we quote quite often is LinkedIn. And LinkedIn, I mentioned it a moment ago, wanted to know, well, how many recognition moments is ideal to have an impact on something that was important to them, which is retention of staff. And what we discovered is it's almost like this ski slope 
that at one recognition, you have very little impact on people's likelihood to leave. At two recognitions, you start to see the light a little, but it's not roundabout when you get to about the six to eight recognitions throughout the year that suddenly the lights come on and there's about a 50%, a sudden ski slope, 50% reduction in the likelihood of somebody to be leaving the organization. Now, if you're trying to attract expensive talent, you know, that's a direct ROI straight away right there. Yeah, yeah. I think about all of the business books that are out there that do have case studies, Derek, that do tell stories. And for the most part, they're self-congratulatory or quite honestly, they're boring. I mean, you know me, I read every business book that's out there. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. I don't know. I mean, I obviously don't have a life, especially with COVID. Quarantine has been really good for my reading habits. I just wonder if a human resources leader or an executive picks up your book specifically, what are some of the lessons that they'll learn about themselves? Because I I think those are the best business books, Derek, the ones that help the reader lead a fulfilling, impactful life. So what will they learn from your book? But I think some of what we write about in the book is so common sense because it's just connected to our core humanity that I think what the book will help is a degree of confidence to be able to go out there and to do what are some very common sense things around humanity and that they're worth the time. You know, it's about being intentional to seek out the thanking, the talking and the celebrating moments without feeling like you're wasting your valuable time on some other project work. So I think a leader will find a reassurance, a confidence that it's okay to be intentionally human. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I mean, I'm all about intentionality. That perspective has really changed my life, surprisingly. Slowing down in order to go faster to get to my goals. I mean, that was one of my important lessons in my late 30s. I wonder what surprised you about writing this book? What'd you learn about yourself? Well, what did I learn about myself? I think one of the things that allowed me to do as well was reflect upon how I manage, if you like, within my own family. I have double twins, two girls that are seven and two boys that are six. And in fact, I tell a little story in the book about how would it be if I'm doing a performance appraisal with my family? Would I save up all the I love you notes that might occur to me during the year and then just do it at the annual appraisal? Of course, I wouldn't. Wait, you would if you were American, especially in the Northeast. (laughs) (laughs) I think, you know, as I've reflected upon how it's so obvious the love and the feedback that I give to my kids, you know, I need to be just as intentional. And it's not necessarily love with my colleagues and well, it can be love at the time, but it's a different type of love, but to be equally intentional, equally giving constantly. I mean, kids need constant feedback and encouragement, but they thrive on it as a result. And I think I've discovered that there's no max, there's no maximum on giving thanks, talking authentically and celebrating together. I've never experienced it. There is no maximum. Now, maybe if we went insane and I'm on the call every minute saying, you know, (laughs) (laughs) then maybe there's a maximum. But if you're authentic and sensible, there's no maximum. It's so interesting that we're talking about love because I keep saying that I'm not surviving a pandemic to do things like I used to do it. My whole life has to change. And one of the things that I've discovered is that I want to work with people that I love. Maybe not the same way that I love my immediate family, but I have to care about them and care about their outcomes. Otherwise, it's not worth doing. That's like the lesson I've learned from COVID-19. What have you learned from COVID-19? 
Yeah, I think similarly, when I look at actually the data that we've been gathering as a company about COVID-19, it says the same about how employees are thinking, because that's one of the interesting things about WorkHuman. Of course, we're generating all this data as people are thanking, talking and celebrating. And as COVID started in China and it swept its way across Europe, we were able to look at the words, the language, the natural language processing. And we discovered that people at the beginning were talking about flexibility, stress, urgency, making things work. But you fast forward four or five months and the language has shifted completely to compassion, friendship, human connection. Those are some of the most powerful words that have come out in a number of months afterwards. And I think it's spot on for exactly what you just said. People have had a transformative moment and they've made new connections. And the strength of those connections is super important in terms of maybe how they would be, you know, planning to go forward career-wise and work-wise now. Yeah, that's really interesting, especially the use of NLP to understand what people are talking about and how it's changing. I wonder how it's changed at your organization. You know, very few leaders are vulnerable. They'll say, oh, yeah, we're a little stressed or, oh, you know, women and caregivers in our organization are taxed at all levels. But I wonder if you would take us through what that's like in your organization. What are people thinking and feeling? I can't even imagine because you're right in the center of the discussion and yet you're probably going through this as well. Probably very meta. Yeah. Well, we're very fortunate as an organization that we we have been very busy during this time because, of course, precisely because of the global pivot to digital working, people are seeking new ways to form human connections. So we're very, very thankful that we've been busy and we've been able to help. But we do have a very specific product we offer to the marketplace. We use it ourselves. It's called Mood Tracker. And in Mood Tracker, we're constantly reaching out in small pulse type surveys to see what the mood is. And you're absolutely right, Laurie. There's been a tremendous spike in people's sense of stress. You know, productivity has gone up at this time, but we've got to be careful about that because at what cost? You know, I see colleagues on Zoom calls where they're sitting in front of the computer, their bed is behind them. And I'm thinking, you know, they slept in that bed. They woke up in the morning. The first thing they saw was their work desk. That can't be sustainable <laughs> long term. No. No, absolutely. Got to have a work-life harmony. So we see it all the time in WorkHuman in our own data. Thankfully, there's a resilience. We are a great work community where we put a lot of effort into supporting and encouraging each other. But we see it in the data. We see stress levels are higher than they were before. And, you know, we put a lot of emphasis in helping to manage that. Well, I love that word you used, resilience, because I think that's a theme throughout the work that I've always done with WorkHuman, what I've seen in your clients, what I've seen in your own workforce. Can you talk a little bit about resilience and does it emerge in your book as a theme? Yes. Well, I think a lot of people, when they're, they want to introduce a new management philosophy, it's kind of like, yeah, we like that. Put it down on the list. We get <laughs> right. <laughs> you are cynical as well. I knew that about you, Derek. <laughs> you know, but it's a little bit like, yes, I definitely want to be healthy and, I, and I'm going to become fit. But it turns out in order to become healthy and fit, you actually have to go to the gym. It's not enough just to join the gym. So, you know, what I would say is what we write a lot about in the book is the thanking, the talking and the celebrating. It's exercising the muscle of relationship and connection building in the workplace. And that's kind of the point, you know, what other gym for exercising the relationship muscle has an organization got? There's millions is spent on the administrative, the bureaucracy, the project management, all of which we need. But where's the investment to exercise your muscle to keep the relationship good? And as you heard in the stories, you know, thanking where there's a story, there's an authentic moment of human connection, talking authentically about your skills, things that need to be developed, things we need to change, but on the basis of very authentic feedback and then celebrating, you know, births, birthdays, graduations. We create human moments. It's, it's like going, actually going to the gym. 
for me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I really feel as if, and I, I wouldn't endorse this otherwise, that this book has a little bit of something for everybody throughout the entire enterprise, whether you work in human resources or you're a leader. Derek, leave us with one thought about the book, one reason why we would say yes and pick this one up instead of yet another book that's on Amazon. But I think one of the exciting things that I'll touch on, very, it's late to touch on it now, but I think it's a really exciting item, is we feel that the world of work really has significantly changed to the point where employees have a right, a distinct right to work in a place where they can do meaningful work, be appreciated, have work-life harmony, feel like they really belong, they're paid fairly, their privacy is respected, they feel safe and also working in a place that respects the environment. And in the book, we have a call to action to say, let's all get together to try to enforce and develop and push forward that right for everyone much faster and much more positively than we have been doing in the past. I love it. Call to action. It's long overdue. And I think exactly what we need as we go into 2021. Derek, I'm so appreciative of your time today. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find out more about you, Work Human, and the book? Sure. Well, the most obvious place is workhuman.com and you'll see various resources to click on there or check me out on my LinkedIn profile, Derek Irvine. Perfect. Derek, my friend, thanks again for being a guest on Punk Rock HR and be safe, please. I want to see you next year in 2021. And you also, Laurie. Thank you so much. Help your team be kind to their minds. Choose Headspace for work for a happier, healthier work culture. Visit headspace.com forward slash work to learn more. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Derek Irvine. Now, you can find a link to the book and also Derek's LinkedIn profile on my website at laurierudeman.com forward slash punkrockhr-140. And as we wrap up today's episode, I want to let you know that I'm incredibly grateful that you've come here to listen and to learn. So thanks so much for trusting me with a half hour of your time. And we'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR.